You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, as per usual, Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And before we get into the show today, just want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you've watched an Oilers game in the last little while here, you've probably been peppered with gambling sites, but I want to recommend DraftKings for you. Daily Fantasy Sports, it's a lot of fun. If you're going to sign up today, use promo code THPN. It'll help you out throughout the process. So I'll let you know a little bit more about that throughout the podcast. But uh, let's get into the Oilers conversation. And uh, we will be joined by Dash in the park in a couple of minutes here from heavyhockey.com. Talk about the Oilers 3-1 series lead over the Calgary Flames so far. And if you are an Oilers fan and you've been an Oilers fan for a while, you might still be a little cautiously optimistic about what might happen in the next couple of games here. Of course, the Oilers a chance to eliminate their bitter rivals, the Calgary Flames, uh, 3-1 series lead, like I mentioned last night down at Rogers Place. Big 5-3 win. The Oilers took a nice 3-0 lead. Seemed like smooth sailing, and then the Calgary Flames stormed back. Mike Smith lets in an awful goal. Let's call it what it is. It was an awful goal, but uh, luckily for him, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, maybe his biggest moment as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He scores two goals. The Oilers uh, would add an empty net, or Evander Kane continues his hot play, and the Oilers pick up the big 5-3 win. The next action will come on Thursday down in Calgary. Game 5, puck drop at 7.30. If you're looking for a little pregame coverage, TSN 1260 does have you covered. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, and myself will get going at about 6 o'clock if you want to tune into that uh, right now though let's bring in our guest uh, dash in the park you can give him a follow on twitter at dash in the park you can hear him at heavyhockey.com dash thanks a lot for doing this today man how are you doing i am doing pretty good man it's a fun day to be an oilers fan i would say and uh, not only that i'm honored that i could be on the show not with only the other connor but the og connor that's uh setting up the table for such epic current connors like mcdavid and bedard and mcgregor <laughs> yeah well i i kind of joked about that on uh the gregor show were you tuning in yesterday <laughs> oh yeah i might i you know we were talking about names and i mean i i don't know about you but for me growing up i i could never get those like custom license plates that they'd have in you know in gift shops or the pens or anything like that so i always hated my name and uh you know now i'll I'll take a glimpse and there's so many connors out there and i just imagine there's going to be a lot more with the success that these young connors are having uh it's 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 interesting the way it's been changing but uh dash glad to have you on the show here today and we're going to talk about the the game i guess last night and you know the game on thursday but i want to ask you this you Longtime Oilers fan, when this game or this series, I should say, was about to start, I mean, were you the person who was pumped for the Battle of Alberta or were you the person who said, you know what, I wouldn't mind if the Dallas Stars won that series because then the Flames would have been eliminated. Like, I know some people that welcome a Battle of Alberta, but were worried about the possible outcome and losing to the Flames. Which side were you on? Well, you asked me the question as the from the perspective of the Oilers fan, so I guess that's how I'd answer it, but... (laughs) I I quite literally said the hockey fan in me wants to see the Battle of Alberta. The Oiler fan in me wants to see the Dallas Stars. And is that because you just wanted the Flames eliminated or you like the the matchup? 
Both. <laughs> um, you know, I seeing Toronto go out in the first round and, you know, seeing potentially Calgary go out in the first round. And I don't want to play the stars any more than I want to play the flames. They're just as much as an arch rival for anybody that's been an Oilers fan over the last 15 years. So I don't think that there's any less hatred in my heart for, for Dallas as there is Calgary. Well, yeah. So yeah, I, I just wanted the potential matchup. I, I think that having home ice advantage um, as well as last change would, would have been something that was beneficial for the Oilers versus the Stars. Um, but like I said, the hockey fan in me wanted to see the Battle of Alberta. The whole country wants to see the Battle of Alberta. And now that we're in it, I'm, I'm glad we're there. I'm glad we're where <laughs> we are where we're at. Yeah, I I was the same way. Like, you know, growing up in Edmonton, I, I missed out on the, the the glory days, I guess, of the Battle of Alberta. Uh, I was born in 87, so I, I didn't really get a chance to check those out. The last one being in 91. I was four years old, just turned four, so I really couldn't take it all in. And that was kind of always something that I thought about. You know, if the Oilers and Flames did meet in the playoffs, like, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun for the winning side. The losing side has right. to take the uh, the chirps and, you know, especially in the social media age where, I mean, after game one, I was just like, man, these Flames fans, kind of relentless. It's been one game, and I'm sure now the, the Flames fans on the flip side are looking at the Oilers fans on Twitter like, okay, guys, shut up. There's still hockey to be played. So uh, it is yeah. it is a lot of fun, uh, Dash. Obviously, you know, the Oilers lose game one in in pretty disappointing fashion, you know, Probably couldn't have a worse start, you know, when you're factoring in the second round of the playoffs, divisional, provincial, heated rival. And, you know, after game one, I think there was a lot of people who were a little bit nervous about what might have happened. But since then, the Oilers rattling off three straight. Uh, what's been the most impressive thing you've seen from this group in the last three games? Yeah, it wasn't ideal when game one ended and there'd been two consecutive games where the Flames had put nine up on us. <laughs> um, 18 and two consecutive games. And I might add, uh, all of those five V five goals. So, and, and perfectly spaced out. They had three goals in each one of the six periods that they, um, beat us. <laughs> So that was a little scary going into game two. There's no doubt about it. The most impressive thing I've seen, like how, how can we not answer that question without talking about Connor McDavid um the most impressive playoff performance in 30 to 40 years Connor so um that's been the most impressive thing it's been the most jaw-dropping thing um for sure but I just think it's the overall we're winning because it's a team game um being able to put 29 up with 97 on the top line and still have 93 keep his own on the second has really provided a lot of uh depth for us and we're making the flames play hard and we're making them play their game and uh it's not working out for them. You know, I I go back to that that was it it was a 9-6 loss, right? In the regular season or 9-5? Yeah, 9-6 then 9-5. Yeah. yeah, so I I remember that game and I think Goudreau had like 5 points or something and I kind of mentioned like man, this guy's a a heck of a player and I I obviously expected to get a little bit of flack from that one you know people don't want me praising players down in calgary and I'm, i am a big fan of his game but a lot of people said you know wait for the playoffs let's see what johnny goudreau can do in the playoffs and uh, obviously game one went pretty well for him but game two three four maybe not as expected for a guy who you know scored over 100 points in the regular season how big of the emphasis defensively do you think the oilers have put on stopping johnny goudreau and matthew kachuk a lot of the emphasis for sure. I think when you've got uh, the quote unquote best line in hockey, 
um, playing in front of the Vesna candidate goalie and in front of the Jack Adams candidate coach who, who didn't, you know, this is, um, it's been remarkable to see how, you know, the old Sutter is matched up against the, the rookie coach and, and is, you know, getting out coached. Um, it's been pretty to wa- pretty crazy to watch all of this unfold. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. You can visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, in Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF, in Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP, 8778-HOPE-NY, in New York, in Oregon, you can visit opgr.org, in Tennessee, call the red line, 1-800-889-9789, and in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500, 21 plus, 18 plus in Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, you're right. Like, I, And I think Jay Woodcroft has done a really good job of kind of adapting to what he has to do. Uh, the Calgary Flames, you know, when I look at them, and obviously they were aggressive this past offseason, and, you know, even at the trade deadline throughout the year, they bring in Blake Coleman and Tyler Toffoli. I thought the depth would be a little bit stronger than it has been in this series. And, you know, even going back mm-hmm. to Dallas, like, yeah, Johnny Goudreau, Kachuk, uh, Lindholm, we know how good they were in the regular season. Um, Kachuk did have the hat trick in game one, so so give him credit there. But I mean, since then, I mean, the Oilers have done a really good good job of stifling them, and you know, I think the depth just really hasn't been there for the Flames. Whereas for the Oilers, like you said, I mean, um, when you have Hyman, Nugent, Hopkins playing as well as they have, you know, in in this series, it's obviously going to go a long way. And uh, for Nuge, I mean, Gregor mentioned it on the show yesterday, like he he hadn't scored a home playoff goal in front of fans. His lone playoff goal at home was against Chicago with an empty arena. So for him, for his first time, putting two in and massive goals like early on in the game gets things going the right way. And then 
you know, uh, obviously right after Mike Smith allows that really soft goal, he bounces back and scores another one. Got to give Yassi Pugliarvi some credit as well, playing on that line. I think he's been very good as of late as well. But, you know, you're starting to see it just a little bit more. And uh, Kyrie Yamamoto, I mean, a guy who rode shotgun with Drysaddle and McDavid for the majority of the year, he drops down to that third line uh, with Fogel, McLeod, and, and they've been good. Like, it's it's really starting to all kind of come together here. The the depth and the versatility that we talked about at the start of the season, and you know, Vander Kane obviously getting him for what they were able to. It's been you know just a match made in heaven on the ice. Uh, what do you think about the depth of this Oilers team so far, and how it's kind of came together? Maybe in a way that Ken Holland had originally hoped at the start of the year. Yeah, it kind of ties together with the back last question that I may be poorly answered, but you talked about Goudreau and, and Kachuk and, you know, how they've been neutralized and how they've been focused on. And I think ultimately, you know, it comes down to a couple of things is that both of these teams generate their offense off the rush. Whereas both the Kings and the stars were, you know, more of a, a trapping, stifling, filling lanes, um, um, you know, slugging up the neutral zone and trying to make a slow game. Whereas both of these teams want to run a track meet. And I think when it comes down to it yet, yeah, like sure, Goudreau and, and Kachuk and, and Lindholm were consistent for 82 games. Well, I think Sutter drove them to that. You know, he, he had them driven in the off season before this. So consistency, great. They did it. But when you want to line up line after line after line to your second question on the depth, you're not going to, I don't care how good Johnny hockey and, and Chucky e. cheese are. They're not going to be <laughs> dry and McDavid. They're just not. So, you know, you line up line two, you line up line three, you line up line four, and all of a sudden, you know, we've got advantages there. When the series starts and they don't have Tanev on the back end, that now gives us the advantage, I think, on defense as well. So, yeah, they they, um, they just, I think, kept rolling lines. Um, Woodcroft kept the matchups um, very tight. Uh, he always tried to get McDavid out there when Lucic was out there. I saw a tweet from Jonathan Willis saying that they've played and overlapped uh, eight minutes so far this series and the score is three to one for the Oilers when those eight minutes are out there with McDavid and Lucic and, um, you know, it's going well. So I also kind of liken this back to something you tweeted, honestly, Connor. And when you said uh, since... um, Kachuk made fun, I guess we'll say, is that, you know, he <laughs> chirped him for the uh, the money and made the money sign with his hand. Kachuk is minus one, uh, uh, minus four with one assist. Since then, Kane has, what, scored five of the last eight Oilers goals? Yeah, yeah. It's, so was that a turning point? And I don't know. There's you, something that's happened that flipped that switch. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, I mean, you know, emotion plays such a big role into it, and, I mean, I, I don't think Matthew Kachuk could stop himself. I think when he scored the goal and, you know, he, he's going back and forth with the Vander Kane, he's trying to set the tone. And I, there, there's a saying, and I always kind of thought about it with Milan Lucic, like, don't poke the bear or don't poke the snake. Like, there's some guys you just want to let sleep and, and not be awoken. And I think Vander Kane is one of those yeah. guys because, you know, if, if he's not provoked, you know, he's, he might take a stupid penalty. He might, he might try to get something going, but, you know, that, that whole, 
chirping, and, and it went viral, let's be honest. Every hockey fan saw Matthew Kachuk chirping Evander Kane, who is one of the, I guess, you know, unless he's on your team, probably considered a bad guy in the sport. So a lot of people like to hate on him. And, you know, since then, uh, Matthew Kachuk has played quite poor, and Evander Kane played great hockey. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the Calgary Flames obviously need Kachuk to get going that top line, but uh, the Oilers have done a very good job. Uh, we we do have to discuss Connor McDavid. Like, the guy has been absolutely phenomenal, and I know the, the Calgary Flames, after game two, kind of went out of their way to praise him, and in a way, almost kind of tore down the rest of the team, despite, you know, Zach Hyman, Nuge, Playarvi, Drysaddle, Kane, like a lot of guys having very good series uh, to begin with. But what what Connor McDavid's been able to do here, uh, two points last night, uh, you go back to Sunday, at three assists, uh, game two, he had a goal and an assist, and game one in the loss, a goal and three points. Like this guy's just, he's he's elevating his game to a point that, I don't know if I thought he could like, and, and I don't want to put a yep. limit on what this guy can do, but he's just, he's the best player in the world to me and it's not close. And now he's playing even better hockey when it matters. And that was, that was what the hockey world is waiting for, right? Like whenever you talk to a McDavid, obviously he has the individual accolades and the regular season awards, but people said, well, we want to see him do it in the playoffs. He's doing it and he's doing it better than anyone we've seen in a very long time. In a very long time. Um, yeah, you know, those conversations um, slowly over the last 10 years shifted from Sidney Crosby passing the torch to Connor McDavid. And, you know, he's the best player on the universe. And there's not too many people that are going to argue that. I'm starting to hear things on, you know, out in the media and in the radio today about whether he's the best ever all of a sudden. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's the type of 11 games he's just had gone now people think he might be the best ever right and i mean that's facetious to say but when when you've just became the first player in the history of hockey with 10 multi-point games and 11 tries and you've got seven straight and you're one behind the great one with who's got eight do it again next game and you're tied with him right like most points through 11 games i think he's fourth or fifth in history or something like that or like it's it's ridiculous what he's doing. It's 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 beyond. I was joking with a friend of mine on a text thread yesterday, and he made me laugh. He said, uh, he said Connor McDavid has become Bradley Cooper from Limitless. He <laughs> he found the uh, <laughs> he found the secret drug and the NZT forty eight, and his brain is working at a, just a much better level, and he's processing minute details much more fast than the rest of the world. <laughs> It's, it is crazy. And I mean, and it, it's not just him, right? Uh, the trio of McDavid, Drysaddle, and Kane, they have 55 points this postseason. They're the first teammate trio to have at least 55 points in the first 10 playoff games since the 1988 Oilers. And I know we've got a lot of historians that tune into this podcast, so I don't have to go into that one. Uh, that stat came from ESPN last night. So, you know, it just shows what what can happen when you surround Connor McDavid with that elite-level talent. And uh, the one guy I'll point to, Evander Kane, I mean, he was on a, had it been a regular season, 45, 50-goal pace. Uh, a finisher to me that Connor McDavid never has really had, maybe outside of Leon Dreisaitl, and we know for the strength or for the betterment of this team, it, it, it is good to have those two players separated. What I like about Evander Kane is obviously, you know, 
the edge that he has. Like, let's, let's be honest. The guy's kind of a dick out there. And I don't think that's a bad trait to have as a hockey player. I think that that's totally fine, but he doesn't look to, to tap pucks in. Like he's burying it. He's trying to put it through the back of the net if he can. He's a, he's a finisher that Connor McDavid has needed and, and it's gone a long way. Um, now we see it a lot on our text line at 10, 12, 60. There's always people wondering and dash. I'm sure you see it on Twitter as well. Could they resign this guy? Would they want to resign this guy? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but when you look at Evander Kane, is that someone that you could see Ken Holland and the Oilers talking to and saying, "Hey, man, like this, this works. We got to find a way to keep you in Edmonton for at least another year." Isn't that going to be the most polarizing question for the next three months? Um, look, man, love him or hate him. Um, whether you think Evander Kane is a good guy on the ice, a good guy off the ice, um, all of that aside, his on-ice chemistry is absolutely intoxicating. Um, what he has done on that line, um, or just with Connor McDavid in, in general, really, is ridiculous. Uh, you know, look at, look at these stats here. You know, we, we pick up Evander Kane in the midseason. And he enters this 12th game of the playoffs in entering another elimination game where he is first in the NHL playoffs in goals scored with 12, first with even strength goals with 10, first with um, shots with 46, first with hits with 53, second in game-winning goals, second in PIMS, second in plus-minus. He and Connor pretty much dominate every stat in these NHL playoffs. Uh, I don't know how Connor is going to let the Oilers let Kane go. That's, that's my, that's where my brain keeps going. You know, we hear that Connor wanted Keith and we hear that Connor wanted Kane. And like, I mean, I feel if GM Connor wants to keep Evander Kane, then GM Connor is probably going to get what he wants, but at what sacrifice is the big question. And with Yamamoto and Playarvi entering, you know, new contracts and needing those, I don't know, like, do we want to sacrifice one of those young players and part of the future to bring in somebody that's got a track record like that? If he can keep scoring <laughs> like 22 goals in, in what, 43 games in the regular season and 12 and 11 in the postseason, like, Sure, I guess, but I I think it'll be at the cost of probably Polyarby the way he's playing, right? And I, nobody in Edmonton wants to see that. Yeah, I mean, and it is really tough, and like, cause you know, I, we're we've all got those group tra- uh, group chats that kind of go crazy, and I, I've got some friends that think, you know, could you potentially look to find a way to trade away Zach Cassian and and maybe use some of the salary there and. You know, and Barry maybe, and Barry as well, and and you know, can Evan Bouchard take that step and be the guy on the number one power play? Like I think a lot of people think that's his spot. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, could you move on from Barry? Could he get a team to to take his contract? Potentially, there there's always seems to be a team that's willing to take on money, and and you probably just sweeten the pot a little bit. But yeah, that that's a really good point. And I I don't know if I ever really thought of the Connor McDavid factor, kind of whispering in Ken Holland's ear, like, "Yo, mm-hmm. I got a fifty goal scorer on my wing. We can't just let him walk." 
make it happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got to talk to the agent and, and make some sort of clauses just because we know the way things have gone when Evander Kane gets those long-term contracts. But, I mean, his play on the ice has just been picture perfect. Like, I just don't think it could have been any better. Uh, Dash, I want to maybe turn our attention here to someone who's getting a little bit of, I don't know, he's he's getting called out. And I don't know how fair it is because he doesn't play that much, but there are a lot of people out there on, on Twitter that don't love what Josh Archibald brings to this Oilers lineup. And to a certain extent, I can get behind that. Like, yeah, you know, he's, he's not going to be the most sound defensively, but he is a guy that, you know, it is nice to have a little bit of a physical presence out there. I try not to get too worked up about it because I look at what he's uh, been out there for in this Flames series. He played eight and a half minutes, 439, 742, and 657 last night. Uh, was out there for a goal last night. When it comes to Josh Archibald, where do you, where do you sit on that side of the fence? Do you, do you think that he can be an effective player or do you think, I mean, press box is probably a better spot for him? Well, did you notice he didn't do any penalty killing last night? Mm-hmm. That's that surprised me, um, which made my gut feel like he's one step closer to the press box. Um, you know, I really waver on this, and I've been back and forth on it to be honest. Because you know, it's, I think it's really important that we have that physical presence. And like, look, you look look how hard Archibald hit Cassian last night. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was one of the hardest Cassian's been hit in a year, probably. And, and it's by his teammate. Like that guy's a wrecking ball, but his defensive play and his defensive positioning and it's awful. Like mm-hmm. at five on five, Edmonton has been out. So when McDavid isn't on the ice, five on five, the Oilers have been outscored three to seven. But that sounds concerning until you remove the fact that in an averaging of six, seven minutes a night, Archibald is minus four with 22 minutes of ice time in four games. So like you take those Archibald goals out and you know, it's three, three. Yeah. So he is, I like the game he had in the first round when he had 10 hits in one game. Uh, this round, he's got four, two, three, and one. I don't know how he only got one hit last night. I know the one on Cassian doesn't count, but I was shocked when I saw that. So you know, 10 hits on an average of seven minutes and Kane's got 21 hits averaging 21 minutes. So, you know, triple the hits and triple the ice time. So they're both banging. Um, Archie's, I think it comes down to this. Um, Can Woodcroft find a way to deploy him that suits his strengths, right? It's just like anybody in any job. You know, you got to, people have weaknesses, people have strengths, and you've got to figure out what those are and then, you know, put them in the best opportunity to succeed given those strengths and weaknesses. And whether Woodcoff can do that, I don't know. It's been a, it's been an up and down roller coaster for Archie so far. Yeah, it really has been. And that's, that's it. Like I kind of waver like, okay, well, you know, you could put him out there in a situation where he's not going to hurt you. Maybe the offensive end. Well, you've got two of the most (laughs) offensively skilled players in the world that you'd probably rather have out there. And you don't want to put him out there in his own end because, like you said, he does get caught out of position. Sometimes it is trying to make that hit that puts him out of position. So, yeah, I, I saw the the debate with him on social media last night. I thought I'd bring it up to you, uh, even in the Oilers' win. we gotta we got to have a little bit of negativity out there. That just seems to be the way it is. Uh, Mike Smith, what have you thought about the goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers? Obviously the goal last night. Not a great one from Anderson. Uh, he admitted it post game, kind of was happy, obviously, that they won so they could joke about it. 
but, uh, you know, said he just totally lost it, wasn't throwing guys under the bus or anything when he put his arms up, just saying he totally lost it out there. Outside of that, though, what have you thought about Mike Smith's performance? Yeah, it really did look like he lost a pop fly in center field <laughs> in the sun. Just like, oh boy, I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> this might hit me in the head. This might go top cheese. Well, it went top cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really, outside of Anderson scoring a goal from Sherwood Park last night, that's obviously not ideal. Um, and that's a mistake. And maybe that cancels out and hockey gods cross out the karma. And, you know, Markstrom made a mistake in 21 seconds into the game as well. So, um, what Smith has proved to me is that, uh, he can have some sort of horrendous, uh, lapse in a game one and then be the best player for that team in games two through whatever's needed. Um, that was his pattern against LA and, and it's his pattern again here. He, he you know, I, I don't blame Smith for what happened in game one versus LA, but he certainly didn't help the matter. Um, and similarly again here in game one versus Calgary, right? So, uh, what else can we ask for? Uh, ultimately, you know, Ken Holland searched the world far and wide from, you know, the depths of Sweden. Um, I joke on the, my own podcast that he had scouts in Narnia and middle earth and still couldn't find a goalie. Um, and he banked on McDavid and or part of me, uh, Smith and Koskinen. And, and here we are. And he, you know what? He's right. We've got one of the best competing goalies in the playoffs right now. And um, it's hard to argue with what he's doing at his age, man. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I hope he can keep it up. Yeah. Keep it up. And I, I think a lot of people root for him. There's obviously the guys who don't like Mike Smith and, you know, we, we know why, but like it, love it, hate it, whatever it is. This is your guy. You know, you're not going to go with a young Stuart Skinner. You're not going to go with Miko Koskinen. Mike Smith is the guy that's going to have to get the job done. And, you know, for the most part, he's, he's done it. I mean, the Oilers are up 3-1 in this series. I don't know how many people would have thought that. I know every Oilers fan would take it. And Mike Smith has got them there. So yeah, you definitely have to be happy about that. And, and I will say when he let that goal in there, there's a part of me and it just probably shows like the tightness of the room. Like they wanted to get that next goal for Mike Smith because they know that if he doesn't, uh, you know, bounce back there with the win, everyone's going to be blaming it on Mike Smith. It's obviously going to be a huge story. And not only oh. that, then you're going to Calgary 2-2. They've got the momentum back because, you know, they stormed back and won a game. Like, mm-hmm. it was absolutely crucial for the Oilers to get that next goal. Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, steps up. And, <laughs> man, like I said, I was so happy for him because that, that's been a long time coming. Is is that the biggest goal in Nugent's career? I mean, it, I, it's hard for me to think of one that's bigger than that one. Jeez, if it's not the goal earlier in the game than it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know what was more important for the Oilers to not go to overtime or for them to get a good start. Uh, flip a coin. Um, you know, for him to bury that first goal in front of fans 21 seconds into the game when the Oilers have been preached at for getting, you know, these slow starts and needing something better. That's huge. But yeah, I mean, a, a GWG um, against the Flames. Uh, to put their backs up against the wall. There's no bigger game in Nuge's career. He, you know, nobody's talking about the fact that he won, um, or he took the majority of the Oilers' faceoffs for the entire game. McDavid only took two faceoffs. I think Drysaddle took a dozen, and Nuge also blocked five shots. It might have been his best game career his, game. I just <laughs> best game of his career. 
Yeah, yeah, and and when it mattered. So that and that's awesome. I, I think obviously we everyone in the city is rooting for this guy. Like he's he's Mister Euler. He's hung around. He was there for the Hope era, and uh, yeah, it's it's going well. Uh, Dash, I got to ask you: in two thousand six, how were you celebrating the Oilers' uh, pl- cup run there? Oh. Do you want the short story or the long story? Uh, well, um, however you feel. All right. I'll, I'll make it. I'll try to make it medium. We got 10 uh, minutes left in the me. Zoom call. How about that? Boom. <laughs> I could do this in five um, or less. So I moved to Edmonton from Saskatchewan in um, 2005. You know, drove right through Maidstone, said to low tide and kept going. Um, and basically worked for a sales job where, um, you know, we had season, not season tickets, but the, the mini packs and that sort of thing. So we had the, you know, the access to the playoffs when they came and it certainly wasn't very popular back then. And there wasn't a lot of people that thought we were going to get anywhere. And so what I actually ended up doing is I had talked to my boss and I said, Hey, look, I'm going to throw the work credit card down and just put it in this lottery It'll be great for customers if we actually get to go and see a couple of playoff games. We'll probably get swept in four by Detroit. Um, <laughs> barely squeaked into the playoffs. I think Detroit lost eight games that year, something ridiculous like that. And uh, as it were, it was a real lottery, and my my name was drawn second. So as it were, we got like row, r- like red line. It was section 119. Uh, 13th row right above the tunnel because the tunnel split uh, the red line at, at Rexall. And I was high-fiving Brad Winchester and we had like probably the best seats in the house. Um, but what happens is, is they charge your credit card for the entire playoff run all at once. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm as an Oiler fan, like bah, big deal, you know, <laughs> take a couple of customers, six, seven, eight hundred dollars later, two, three games, no big deal. Well, you know, the company gets the bill and it's, you know, $11,000 or whatever it was for these two seats for the playoffs. And so I get a few calls from a few CFOs and they scratch a few heads and they say, all right, okay, fine. But you can't keep taking customers past the first round because this exceeds our limit that we're allowed to spend on a customer. So, like, oh my God. So basically my long story medium length is um, I played, um, I don't know, basically just ex- ex- the ticket exchange extravaganza. And back then it was just, I was selling my prime tickets to be able to go and sit in the upper deck and still be able to see all the games and pocketing quite a bit of money along the way as I went so that I could pay off that $10,000 bill that my work was quite concerned with and uh, went to pretty much every game all the way uh, up until the final. I think we only missed one game and that was game six in the final because I had to be in Kelowna for work. So uh, I was at every game in the 2006 run. I heard the horns honk until three in the morning. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point in time, I was standing on a picnic table that was being carried by a bunch of other people <laughs> like a chariot. Uh, well, I held a sign that said, Chichu whoop-de-doo. So you, you got a chance to live. You got to live it up. Enjoy that run. I'll never forget it. Yeah. It could have potentially been, you know, no offense to my wife and kid, but the best three months of my life. And, <laughs> I, I, and here we are on the fringe of it again. my so friend. I was going to say, like I was 19. Uh, I didn't really drink or party too much 
maybe until that run. But then it was so much fun. Like, okay, well, let's go grab some beers and watch the game. I went to game six against the Red Wings, game three or four. I won't say four against the Ducks and then game six against the Hurricanes. We were standing row only at the very back. Like every time the Oilers scored, fans would stand up. We couldn't see a thing, but it was so awesome. And, you know, for the younger generation, like I'm just looking on social media and I see the fans out there celebrating. They're at the Moss Pit. They're, you know, storming down Jasper Ave. I'm so happy for that, the younger fan base that gets a chance to do it. And especially for the kids that are like 19, 20, 21, 22, et cetera, who the last two years have been like, stuck inside kind of kind of killed their socialized i'm so happy for them that they get a chance to go out there and party even like the 25 26 year old kids like go have some fun enjoy this because it doesn't happen nearly as often as it should uh so uh that, that's just where i wanted to go with that one like we you and i we've had our fun we're obviously still going to have fun watching these games but i'm so happy you know especially bars and stuff downtown like this is it's just great for the city you can feel the buzz in the air it's exciting uh dash game number five will go thursday night seven thirty in calgary uh what do you think do the oilers find a way to wrap this up oh hmm. you know i i guess i predicted before the series that it would be oilers in seven so I hope we don't go to seven anymore, and I hope <laughs> I'm wrong. Um, I don't think anybody expected us to be going back to Calgary for game five with our foot on their throat. Mm-hmm. Um, show me anybody that predicted that, and I'll shake their hand. Um, I think your esteemed colleague, Mr. Gregor, tweeted out that the Oilers are 14-1 and one all time when they lead a series 3-1, to one, and the Flames are 0-9 all time when they trail 3-1. to one. So look, our chances are pretty auspicious and pretty optimistic. Um, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, this series is won yet. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that Calgary is just going to lay down and, and get walked over. In fact, I would expect that the Calgary flames probably bring their best effort uh, yet this series and uh, the Oilers better be ready. Um, you know, Daryl Sutter's the coach that came back from, San Jose down 0 and 3 versus versus San Jose so he's he's not worried and I guarantee you he's going to make sure that his team isn't worried either so um uh, I hope so Connor I hope so <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to go back to fighting for home ice advantage and down to game 7 man that would be that would be stressful it might add to the epicness of the series but that would be stressful and I think you know for the Oilers sake you look at Nurse and uh Dry saddle. Those are the, the two big names we know about. Uh, any extra time that you can get off, obviously, is going to go a long way. Uh, Dash, uh, thanks so much for doing this today. Of course, you got the podcast uh, at heavyhockey.com with Mike Dursa. Uh, when is the new episode dropping? Uh, we've kind of been bouncing around a little bit. It's tough with the playoffs every, you know, game going every two yeah. nights. You know, we'd scheduled in at Sundays and I'll hop on and do uh, Oilers Live with Michael Hebert um, on Tuesdays quite a bit. He's more consistent on Tuesday nights. We did one last night after the game. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, you can find us on heavyhockey.com. Um, I've contributed articles and we've got all our podcasts listed there. So if you go there, subscribe or set your notifications, you'll be able to find us no matter what. Um, and you know what? All I'm hoping for is that when we do close this off, Connor, that one of the ex-Toronto Maple Leafs scores the game winner so that it would have been Barry 
in game six, CC in game seven when we were elimination games. And I don't know, maybe let's make it Hyman tomorrow night because I want to tell my Euler, uh, all our part of me, my Maple Leaf friends that uh, they really blew it by giving us all these players that know how to win in the playoffs. Just had to get out of Toronto to get that win. Uh, I recommend just giving you a follow on Twitter at Dash in the Park. Uh, that's a, a great way to get all your content. And uh, we appreciate you doing this. Hopefully the Oilers can extend this run and we can get you on again. Anytime, Connor. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go. Dash in the park. Give him a follow on Twitter at Dash in the Park. You can check out his work up at heavyhockey.com. That's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to Dash for hopping on. Thank you to you guys for tuning in to the show, the Edmonton Oilers. They've got the Calgary Flames on the brink of elimination, leading three games to one. Next game, game number five, will be down in Calgary. It's a 7.30 puck drop. If you are looking for some pregame coverage, tune in to TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered Thursday beginning at 6 o'clock. Game number six, if necessary, will go on Saturday. It'll be a 7.30 start. And uh, worst case scenario, worst, worst case scenario, who knows if it happens. But if there is a game seven, it would go Monday, May 30th. TBD. Maybe it'd be a little bit early so uh, the East Coast could watch it. I think Oilers fans probably hoping it doesn't get to that. It would be epic. It'd make for a fun game, but uh, it'd be pretty disappointing, I think, for Oilers fans. I think a lot of people hoping that they can close it out on Thursday night. Uh, We'll be back with a new episode of the podcast on Friday morning, I do believe. Uh, assuming all things go well, probably gets released on Friday afternoon. Appreciate if you tuned in today. I'd appreciate if you tune in on a Friday as well. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, DraftKings. Sign up today. Use code word THPN when you sign up. It'll help you out a lot of different ways. And also, the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, lots of great coverage for all NHL franchises at the Hockey Podcast Network. Check them out. That's going to do it for this episode of the Other Connor Podcast. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.